Welcome to the Sports Bros Podcast, featuring the almighty B-Live, the money man, Scotty D, and your host, the head of creative, Eddie Cool. And without any further ado, here they are, the Sports Bros. Hey, what's going on, world? This be your boy, Eddie Cool, a.k.a. the HOC, here at the Sports Bros Podcast. And it's episode 51 of the Sports Bros Podcast. I know you're thinking, Eddie Cool, um, you know what's going on in the world and there really ain't no sports. Yeah, we hadn't had any active games since when? Wednesday, fellas? Thursday, fellas, or something like that? But, um... Luckily, we got some things that did happen in the sports world to give us something to talk about because uh, I was trying to figure out what in the hell were we going to talk about. Of course, I'm not alone during this whole pandemic situation. I got with me the almighty B-Live. What's happening? What's going on in the world today? And that has all a whole nother meaning this week. But man, oh man. 51 episodes strong. This is a very interesting way of starting year two of the Sports Bros podcast, but this is why we're going to keep on moving on because we've made it an entire year and we ain't going to stop now. We're going to pee diddy this thing. Can't stop. Won't stop. Shimmy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, we're going to throw it over to the one, the only, the money man, Scotty D. Uh, uh, I'm not doing so well, fellas. What's wrong, Scott? I'm self-quarantined with no sports. Oh, man. But on a bright note, I've got plenty of toilet paper. I'm excited about that. I'm ready. I'm ready for the pandemic. Um, I want to apologize to our listeners. Um, Scotty D was dropped on his head as a kid. Wow! <laughs> so, Scotty can't get right. I'm trying to get right. <laughs> we we the sports post has not been affected personally with the COVID nineteen outbreak. But I mean, we, we're we're feeling it mentally and emotionally, because we, we live, breathe, and eat sports, and this is this sucks. <laughs> pretty much, this pretty sucks. much. But the show must go on. The show must go on. But uh, but before we get into it seriously, um, you know, I, I I hope all is well out there with with you, our listeners. I mean, this this is a bad situation. We're trying to make light of it. A little bit here um you know i don't know if you guys were able to see i know my bro saw my my little video the scotch thoughts video i put out on facebook last week where i was trying to be a little bit funny but at the same time acknowledging that this is very serious and i i don't want anybody i know to get this i, I know the percentages of of beating this virus are good for most people but um canceling sports is the right thing to do but this sucks Yes, it does. Yeah, Scotty. Yeah, you're right, Scotty. It does, man. Um, yeah, you're right. If um, we we don't want anybody to think, like, hey, we're not taking this seriously. I mean, we are taking this serious, but you know, 
Everybody, one thing I can say, you can do either two things, panic or prepare. And this is one thing that we can't control. So only thing we have to do is prepare to the greatest greatest extent of being able to be prepared in this and um, try to ride this thing out. And hopefully it gets um, it ends as soon as possible. So um, y'all stay safe. Stay inside. Stay inside. If you go somewhere and there's 49 people, get the hell up out of there because you're going to be 50 people and, you know, just the chance of spreading it. Just uh, if you got to go out, be safe. If not, stay your ass home. Wash your face, feet, hands, pits, and ass, most importantly. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, man, just this is this is now I guess you now we got to wait till a damn pandemic to break out to wash to ask people. Hey, don't forget to wash your hands. Don't forget to wash your hands. But in the words of the Almighty Be Live, I digress because I'm about to take this train and put it off the tracks, but I got to keep it on the tracks. Well, fellas, it wasn't such a dead sports week after um, Rudy Gobert contracted that COVID-19 and they stopped the game, which I would say would be the catalyst of the stoppage of all professional sports. What say you guys? Yeah, I was at uh, Wild Wing Cafe when this uh, started going down, whenever the first report came out for Rudy Gobert, when it first said that Rudy Gobert had tested positive. And um, I was actually, uh, I was actually watching it uh, breaking news on ESPN with a friend of mine who used to be an NBA official and who's still involved with the developmental league and in other aspects of the game. And his words immediately were, well, that's going to go ahead and shut down the NBA. And 30 minutes later, as I'm, I'm home at this point, that was exactly what happened. That was the exact news that, that came out breaking. Who would have thought at that point that it was going to be the domino that was just going to knock down everything, that we would have no March Madness, no Masters, NHL, NBA, everything was going to go down. Uh, I, I stayed up late that night, later than usual, watching – pretty much just watching ESPN and everyone talking about this. And it just felt bad, man. It just felt like, man, there's going to be some bad stuff happening upon us. It, and sure enough, things have not gotten better. They're going to probably still get worse before they get better. But the Rudy Gobert thing was really what what was the, the catalyst that made the all these dominoes fall. What do you think, B? Man, um, absolutely. And it's just it's unfortunate just how things went because, you know, when it's not in your house, when it's clearly crossed the world, and I mean, it's like, oh, that's not that. We don't have to worry about that here. There's something going on in China. China, like, you, you, you people like when it comes to demographics like that. China is like two entirely different countries. Like, you have a developed part of China, and then you have an underdeveloped part of China when it comes to a billion plus people. And you're just like, you know that that that's just China, they part of that they can't contain. It's just widespread, and they, they, they it's not even anywhere close to us. But then when it hit home, and when I say hit home, it hit the NBA, and it hit like just. I mean, you you, you saw the story, and then you like, is this a thing? Is this real? Yes, it is. It is the real deal. And then you're like, oh, come on, it can't be that much. And not, we're over, we're over exaggerating. I don't think that's an actual. You're exaggerating. The act of exaggerating is overthinking and overdoing something. But 
this, as much as we want to say that we're going over the top and doing too much, when it comes to something like this that could potentially be devastating, I don't think any action is too much. And we just have to bear with it because this is definitely unprecedented times. Like, I think the last time any um, any major sporting leagues have been shut down like this, I mean, outside of a strike, was World War Two. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the the severity of it again. Like, I don't want to go on the air and be part of the media circus that this revels in fear mongering, which because I'm I think that's part of it. I think part of the the, the great. TP shortage of 2020 is just ridiculous. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, how, uh, that's, what I'm try- that's what I'm trying to figure out, but I'm, I'm like, okay, the symptoms of COVID-19 is this, this, and this. I'm like, it said nothing about the international... <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah. so, I mean, in and just really just looking back at it, Rudy Gobert, when, like, when it hit news and stuff like that, it was what is essentially was, oh crap, this is close to us. What should we do? And then, I mean, at the end of the day, I think the steps that were done were necessary, just to contain it, because I think this is this is in line with the other coronaviruses that have um existed in our history. We're talking about H one N ones. That's um swine flu, bird flu, um. There's a couple others out there that we've, we've SARS, started, Ebola, right. West Nile, yeah, SARS, Ebola. Like, yeah. There's been a few others, but like the com the 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 the, the dusty mosquito. The, the common cold is a form of coronavirus. Just to let everybody know, but um, mm-hmm. this it's just it's a mutated form that does not have a vaccine. So I mean, let's take these necessary precautions. Let's do what we need to do so we can move on with life, as opposed to turn this becoming something that we really can't control so yeah and you're right and and, and wouldn't it, it the ideally at some point during this summer hopefully earlier summer than later summer we look back and say well we really overdid it on that we over prepared we over exaggerated but that would be better than saying we didn't do enough and right now is our moment we have our chance right now to do enough i mean to to do better, to, to paraphrase someone, uh, we, th- this is this is our. I mean, this is our chance right now. Is is you know, it's not too late at this point. This is the time we have to act, and so we have to take all these precautions. And you know, when, you, when it comes to Rudy Gobert, isn't it ironic? He is the first guy, high profile, to be infected with this, and he was the guy that was goofing. Touch the microphones oh, all that. Man. I mean, if you're a sports fan, most likely by now you've seen the footage of him touching the microphones and kind of goofing about the coronavirus. And that was two days prior to uh, him testing positive for it. But let me t- let me say this about that situation. I feel like at this point that is an absolute blessing because Rudy Gobert in in his seventh. NBA season is averaging his career average is 11.7 points. So in other words, when he retires, there's not going to be a statue anywhere. You know, this guy, when it's all said and done, he will be known for this more than anything he did in his career. But 
the fact that he drew so much attention to himself with the the whole goofing with the microphone thing and 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 kind of making light of the situation that made him even more high profile and by him contracting it and stopping all i mean all the league shutting down what a blessing that that's going to turn out to be we'll never know how many lives potentially were saved because Rudy Gobert tested positive for this and it set off a chain reaction of um, the spread being contained and controlled and slowed to a certain extent. So that's just something you can't quantify. We'll never know. But I got to believe that Rudy Gobert being the high profile guy that he was has, has sped up the process of saving some lives out there. So that's the way I'm going to look at the Rudy Gobert situation. So thank you, Rudy Gobert. Yeah, thank you, Rudy Gobert. It's a weird, it's a weird time to tell you thank you, but uh, thank you, I guess. You know, but um, uh, it definitely um, it's made us more aware because, like, yeah. I mean, my my stance has changed slightly. Like two weeks ago, I was like, Jesus, people, it's just not as bad as the flu. Wash your hands. Like I was, I was part of that. Mm. I'm still part of that crowd, mind you like practice proper hygiene like this is something you should have been doing as opposed to buying all the toilet paper and and um, just <laughs> just to update our listeners um, um right now with my toilet paper situation i do have three um double rolls of toilet paper left and it's just me myself and i so my um my area should be clean um, throughout this process, um, I should be good to go. Just um, just to update everybody on that. Um, I hope I hope you added that part out, Eddie. That, that... <laughs> Again, I don't want to look back and say it was too late when you can do something about it. Now we can keep that from getting on the air. And, and... <laughs> now is the time to act. Good lord. <laughs> Lordy, Lord. I'm, t- I'm debating. Should I keep this on the show? I add that to the uh, oh, best of highlights package. I'm going to go ahead and keep my toilet paper numbers private. That's going to be just between me and me only. No updates <laughs> forthcoming on that. Oh, please. Eli's oh, going to be man. clean. That's good to know. Please, can we bring back sports? <laughs> Yeah, because we're talking yeah, about toilet paper and to clean behinds and people talking about bidets and stuff, and I don't know how I feel about that. But anyways, I digress from the words the Almighty be like, Lord, give me this here and track, and we put it back on the track. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to get back into something called sports, because after all, we are the Sports Bros Podcast, and we might just keep all that up in there, all right? <laughs> just saying. That's funny. That's gold. Right. People need to laugh right about now. All right, so here we go, fellas. It wasn't exactly a dead sports weekend. We had some activities. Well, some activities. The NFL players, they agreed to ratify the new collective bargaining agreement. And here are some of the highlights. The CBA was passed, right? Of course, they had a vote on it. Um, 1,019 said yes. 959 said nope. But according to Marlon Humphrey, 500 players didn't vote. Yeah. Um, Also, per sources, the broad headline 
of the deal will be how it ultimately changes the league schedule, which will now expand to 17 games as early as the 2021 season and add two additional playoff teams. Just to give you an idea of what, what that meant, if this, if the current CBA was in place now, the two extra teams in the playoffs would be the Steelers and the Rams. Yeah, they would have made the playoffs last year as well, too. And also another highlight of this CBA is the reduced penalty for players who test positive for THC, which also means eliminates game suspensions. Yeah, game suspensions. And I think they're going to be uh, ironing out the details of a new TV deal as well, too, which is also critical and crucial. So, um, be like, let's think about this whole uh, this this new CBA, man, because I'm hearing um, some people are, are all about it and love it, and some players call it absolute trash. Well, how do I like this? Let, let me start there. Let me start here. Things will always change as much as we want to keep things the same. We got used to a 16 game season, but you got to think 40 years ago. There was a 14-game season, and probably everybody was up and on. So they said, went from 14 to 16. Now we go from 16 to 17. And I, I, okay, I, I have a question actually, because Scotty D, you've made okay. this point before, and I just thought about it. They went from 16 to 17 games, and you say that this is the ultimate move is to go to 18 games. But wouldn't it be that, that's the way I feel, yeah. But wouldn't the seventeen game system be in place for now another ten years? It would be, but I I'm certain that they can that can be renegotiated at some point. Uh, I, you, you would think. You I, you think, but I think like a lot of times like like when it comes to the CBA, it's just like it's it is what it is until the next one comes up. Like you don't hear much about the CBA until that, um, essentially that contract year. I'm like, oh, are we going to have a lot? Are we going to have a lockout? Are we going to have um, a strike? Or we are da 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 da. But you don't hear much about that because I, I don't know. That's I just thought of that just at the time, and I'm like, because I, I get what you're saying. Because eventually, because 17 games, we all agree makes no sense. Like so, one team is going to have nine home games. The other team is going to have eight home games. How's this exactly going to work? Jacksonville Jaguars. Two of their home games are going to be the furthest away ever in London. And so, yeah, <laughs> what's really going on? But I don't know. I think um, a lot of players went into financial security. Is the reason why they signed off on it. A few um, select players signed off on it because of the reduced um, and no suspensions with the THC. Ha, Josh Gordon, you should have waited. Wait. Should have waited, man. You had a hey, man. All you had to do and lay off, off the weed. But nope. Now you just sitting at you home looking good. foolish. So I don't know. Again, it's one of those things, once we get into the 2021 season, just getting a feel for things, it's going to be an extra week of fantasy football. It's going to be, I don't know, it's, I think it's overkill. I think the 17 
per conference playoff system. That just seems a mess. But I, so like, I don't know. I don't know. No, you're right. I think it's I, that's. I think it's definitely a mess. I was actually reading up a little bit last night. And saw an article that said if or a report that said because it would have if it would have applied this year, it would have been the Steelers. So they would have been the extra team in the AFC. But that also would have meant that the Kansas City Chiefs would have had to play an extra week. Yep. Now, what if they would have that? Now that mm-hmm. we know who's better of that particular year one team far superior and so you're looking at the mason rudolph or duck duck dodger duck dynasty led steelers whatever that whatever that guy's name was <laughs> his name duck, it was duck a duck Dodgers, guy right duck wasn't the yeah. name duck I like, quarterback for a minute there oh shuck yeah. it duck and quack quack we'll, we'll okay, roll duck, duck okay that guy duck dodgers <laughs> one of them two guys were going to be playing in the playoffs against Patrick Mahomes. What a mismatch. That game shouldn't happen. I mean, fortunately, last year it didn't. But what if Kansas City has a a 14, 17-point lead? They're not going to pull Patrick Mahomes yet, and he gets hurt playing in a game that he shouldn't have been even subject to. I think the one and two seeds deserve to have that extra week off. I mean, you work hard all in the regular season. Now you're going to tell me only one team is going to get that reward, and a team that maybe. Both teams end up fourteen and three, and one, you know, that sounds weird too. Yes, it does. Fifteen and two, you know, one of these teams ends up, and by by tiebreak, one team might have been had the nine game, nine home game schedule, as opposed to the other team having the eight home game schedule, and that could be the difference. And then team two gets penalized, has to play an extra week, get their bodies beat up even more instead of getting the rest week, because that week has proved valuable. Because ones and twos are the ones that typically go to the Super Bowl. So part of that's mm-hmm. because the team is better, but part of it is because they get that reward and they're able to rest their players and, and put themselves in a better position. I think that devalues the regular season to a little bit. And then you extend the regular season. I think this all sucks, to be honest with you. I like the uh the aspect of not punishing players for smoking weed. And you know that's it is what it is. So do not not punish them for that. I'm okay with that, but when you start altering the schedule to to a degree that <laughs> seven teams make it, not an even number of teams make it, seven teams are going in, and the the extra week, I, I've said this before. Do I really need to see the Browns go zero and seventeen? I mean, we you get to a point in the season where you get it and you're ready for the playoffs. Every year, sixteenth week, to me, always feels like, eh. Let's get on with the playoffs. You know, I've I've had enough. I've seen enough of the regular season. I feel that way in, in most sports. You know, I, I feel that way. Baseball is 162 games. I've seen enough well before their 162nd game. Same with the uh, NBA and NHL. When you get to the end of the season, you know, some of these teams are playing out the string where they haven't had a chance for a month. And that happens in the NFL, too. When you're, you're a two- or three-win team, you're playing a whole month of December just – trying to get to the finish line, and now you got to go out and do it one more time. And the NFL's preaching player safety. I mean, come on. This is outright greed. I mean, I, and, I, and I hate it. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of this new CBA at all. And for the 500 guys that didn't vote, where were you? Uh, they were quarantined. 
Self quarantine. That's the best thing I could come up with. How can you not mean, vote like, on that? I, I don't get that. Like that. I I I I just find it crazy. Like, how can you not have? You know, we're talking about you know the right of voting once again, which which was a foundation of this country. Like, how are you not going to vote on your potential future? Like, dude, like this is helping you to get some more money. And if you were a regular reefer chief or smoker, then guess what? You might get a little slap on the wrist and not get suspended. So it's kind of like, well, wait a minute, I can have my cake and eat it too and still make a bunch of money. But my biggest thing is the whole, my biggest issue is the whole, um, who gets that, who gets that ninth home game, who gets that ninth road game. You yeah, see what I'm gonna, saying? So it's, it's, kinda, it's like you like, it. It'll probably be alternating years from division to division, but. Oh. That, I don't. I don't think that's fair. I don't. I don't like that at all. Uh oh. Yeah. That 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 that's Bre- um that's news. what I heard too. You may you you may you may have heard it oh, here first because I got an idea. I got an idea. Oh. Each team has eight home games, eight away games, and one neutral site game. Uh, I mean that would actually be kind of cool, but I don't think they'll go for that. I don't, I'm just saying, yeah. it, it, logistics would be crazy to do so, but that's literally the only way you can do it. Well, I thought the 17th game was an idea a couple of years ago when they were saying that every team was going to have to go play in London or or overseas somewhere, and I thought, well, if you do that, then you should just add an extra, make that be an extra game, and then everybody gets a bye week after that, and then you keep your eight home and eight away. But that doesn't, that's not how this was presented. That's not why they're doing that's this. Uh, no, that isn't. I mean, there will be certain teams that will have that happen, which I still think, I still, I don't like the going and playing another country deal anyway, but. The NFL is not going to last in any other country but America. That's it. That's it. And fellas, while we were talking here, <laughs> I had a chance to go online courtesy of um, NBC Sports Northwest and look up some of the quotes from some of the players. As I mentioned, Marlon Humphrey said around 500 players didn't even vote on the new CBA, SMH. Okay, Eric Ebron said, can't believe we agreed to that, laugh out loud. We can only play this game for so long, and y'all didn't even want everything we can get out of it. SMFH 2030. Y'all do better. Uh, let's see. Darius Leonard, he said, Man, I'm so hot, bro. Um, Alan Robinson said, So weak, fam. Dudes want to vote out of fear. It really showed where dudes head at. Trash. Freaking trash, he also said. Mark Ingram said, Bruh, I don't understand. That's so disappointing. Uh, disappointing. CJ Anderson said, So did the owners win? And Richard Sherman replied, yes, a lot to a little. Uh, let's see. Let me find another statement here from King and Drake. Uh, the CBA was short-sighted and constructed to benefit the players who made the majority of the league. Yes, minimum salary was raised, but at the cost of the players who paved the way physically and psychologically just to be shortchanged without a voice to defend their benefits. Sad. Ooh, we, I was, um, I was actually just um, thinking about that. Um, the, the majority of the players in the league are at that minimum salary. And so a lot of them just say, hey, well, shoot, I'm get, I get the vote to get a $100,000 raise? Uh, yeah, yep. sign me up. And <laughs> so the, That's right. The guys, 
a lot of those guys are guys who probably aren't playing and getting beat up as much too. Right. And the guys that are getting beat up are going to have to go and put their bodies on the line even more. It's a lousy deal. It's lousy. Yeah, I think it even. I think I think they get like 12, 12 contact uh, practices, and the rest is like non-contact or something like that. Um, there's so much in it too. It, look, we already know we already know tackling is bad now. All right, tackling is bad now. So you mean to tell me twelve? You get twelve total practices where you can tackle each. But but essentially, oh, but essentially, a good part of the CBA though was a reduction in full contact practices, raising the raising the minimum salary. Mm-hmm. Like you telling me right now, it shoot. Yeah, I see why I was voted in because <laughs> I get a raise. And I I get to do less work. Uh, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, but the, and the owners are yeah. I mean, the, the a lot of guys because the owners are sitting there going, "Okay, Scott, we wanted an extra game, and all we had to do is let them smoke weed." <laughs> right, you know. Literally, yeah, they're he, yeah, they're really yeah. yeah. All we had to do is give them some up. weed, and we get an extra uh, game. Here, here's another hundred grand, and and you get to smoke pot. Who's That's deci- a win for the owners. I mean, come on. Whose decision was it to make it a majority vote amongst all players? Because I think that's also unprecedented. I haven't heard that before. But usually it's a decision made by team captains or um, NFLPA representatives from each team. And like, this is the first well, I think I think, that's, I think that's how it's usually done. But you would think that they would have to have like a – two-thirds majority or something instead of just a majority to, to pass it. All right, so, fellas, I got a quote from the head knucklehead in charge, uh, <laughs> Roger Goodell, Scotty D's boy. Um, we are pleased that the players have voted to ratify the proposed new CBA, which will provide substantial benefits to all current and retired players, increased jobs, ensure continued progress of player safety, and give our fans more and better football said Roger Goodell. Uh, we appreciate the tireless efforts of the members of the Management Council Executive Committee, the NFLPA leadership, both of whom devoted nearly a year to detailed good faith negotiations to reach this comprehensive, transformative agreement. Yeah. I, have, have you ever known anybody that gets their way as much as Roger Goodell? <laughs> that dude gets his Howie way Robbery, all baby. The I time. swear, I'm like, this always, that dude always gets his way. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, we're gonna have to study from the book of Goodell, I guess, the how to be a knucklehead and get. What I mean, you I've want. never seen anybody Everything. get their way in Everything. world leadership all the way down to kindergarten. I like this guy, this guy gets his way no matter what. <laughs> he get, this guy says, "You know what, owners? I want a longer contract. And I want my own helicopter for life." And they're like, "Okay, here you go." <laughs> I mean, I just never seen anything like it with they, this guy. They have, it, no pushback or nothing. Just. Okay, yeah. well, here you go. You know, just this. Here, here you go. Here you go. <laughs> the hell you mean? Here you go. Well, it should be like, well, let's look into this first and for this, this, and this. But no, it's just, huh? Here you go. Yeah, man. Whatever. All right. And uh, speaking of some more news in the NFL, um, of course, you know that free agency period is looming right around the corner, and the league New Year starts on Wednesday at four o'clock, if I'm not mistaken. So guess who gets a big old bag? Big old Dak bag. Prescott? Big old, big old bag. Oh boy, here we go. But 
That's, no. that's probably one of the reasons why, like, he held out um, with um, contract negotiations. Because guess what? The people that are under contract right now, they're still under contract for the same amount of money and now have to play an additional game yeah. for the same amount of money. So they're making less money for right now. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You're not getting any younger. So that Prescott may be holding out for all the right reasons. Yeah, I mean, it, this might be a good reason, but speaking of somebody that ain't holding out for no more reasons, uh, Tennessee Titans have agreed to give the bag to Ryan Tannehill. Four years, $118 million, $62 million guaranteed up front. So you know what that means, don't you? Tom Brady ain't going to Tennessee. That's true. <laughs> he. Yeah, he ain't going to Tennessee, so you can go ahead and scratch that team off the list that Tom Brady is going to. Um, fellas, we think about this move by the Titans. Um, good move, bad move, I think move, it's smart a move. little extreme for Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is in, what, his uh, eighth year? Is this his eighth year in the league this past year? Okay, so uh, he's seven, played seven years. Me. First six were with Miami. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe mm-hmm. after six years – his record was 500. I think he was even in Miami. And he was brought there to be an insurance policy for Mariota as he seemed to be struggling and not not progressing in his career. And now the guy, he starts, he goes in week six, basically plays 10 games and cashes in for a four-year deal with $62 million guaranteed of that. I mean, did they not have a big enough sample size prior to that to to say we're, that's a that's a bit extreme for a quarterback who had two playoff games where he threw for under a hundred yards? I don't think this is a, the best deal. I mean, it, it's not crazy crazy money, I guess, because it's it's not up to thirty million. Maybe they feel like they're getting a bargain for a quarterback that stepped in and provided leadership, but. This kind of reminds me more of when Ryan Fitzpatrick was hot coming out of the game of the Bills <laughs> a few years back. Yeah, Remember that? And the Bills, they said, we're oh, locking boy. him up four games into the season, and, uh, and they didn't make the playoffs that year. And, you know, he, I remember that, that the Fitzpatrick mania, the fever they got up there because they beat the Patriots in like week two or three, and they were hot out of the gate. I think Ryan Han- Tannehill caught lightning in the bottom, was hot down the stretch. But, I mean, we all – talked about at the time and felt that Derrick Henry was the reason they were winning those games for the most part and that pretty much any game engine quarterback at that point could go in there and and help that I I don't know I think that's a little extreme it's only four years but it might be three and a half too many you might get halfway through this season and say uh we're stuck with this guy now and 62 guaranteed eating at that cap I I think it's extreme yeah, I think after the after the third year, that's a um, he can get out. Yeah, twenty twenty three. Yeah, three year, ninety one million dollars, five million dollar dead cap. Yeah, so yeah, after the third year, but you know what, this ain't working. Um, you get him out. I, 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 the thing about Ryan Tannehill is, man, he's one of the more interesting stories in the NFL. Um, could he be the ultimate finesser, a la Matt Flynn? You remember that time with Matt Flynn and um. Matthew Stafford had that big game towards the end of the season in Green Bay when one dude threw for 500 yards, the other dude threw for yep. 7,000 yards. And Seattle said, hey, 
and said, I said, hey, we're going to give you a bunch of money. So gave him a bunch of money. And he yeah, he didn't start some that. He didn't Wilson. make it that far. No. No, and then see, and then Seattle cut him loose, and then he got he got some more big money down to the Raiders, and I think what Terrell Pryor or something like that, or um, or one of the Car Brothers or whatever. But yeah, it didn't. You know, Matt, Matt Flynn is the ultimate finesser. But um, of course, you know Ryan Tannehill's story. Uh, he played. He was a former college wide receiver at Texas A and M University. Uh, wound up being a quarterback out of necessity because they kept on getting hurt. Uh, he was a first round pick, eighth overall in the 2012 draft. Um, you know, his I've often wondered about Ryan Tannehill to the point I'm like, look, this dude is in Miami. I don't know why, I don't know why the hell the Miami waste a pick on him. I felt he was overrated at the time, but and they let and they cut him loose, as you can see. And then he got a job with the Titans. And the next thing you know, it's like, well, you got another struggling guy, Marcus Mariota, so it was easy to fall up in there. But, um, yeah, like you said, fellas, we agree. We knew the defense and the running back is what helped them get to the to the AFC Championship game. And Ryan Tannehill is no more well, hopefully he but find a game their niche. He manager. finds his niche late like Rich Gannon. I mean, that was kind of the exception to the rule. Remember, Rich Gannon was pretty much uh, a career journeyman. Yeah. I think he spent most of his career with the Vikings. He gets to the Raiders, and he's the league MVP, and they go to the Super Bowl. I mean, I know that's kind of what they're looking at, hopefully, that being in Tennessee system instead of Miami system all those years changes it up, but I think it's a bit extreme. It is a bit extreme. Um I I got a um quick song that I'd like to sing and um and homage to this. Um oh. Mamas don't let your babies grow up to be running backs because it just does not pay to be a running back in the NFL. Derrick Henry took that team and put them on his back. Literally, literally, and, and guess out of the two players right now between Derrick Henry and um, Ryan Tannehill, guess what? Which one of the two players has a contract with Tennessee, and which one does not? Derrick Henry does not have Derrick a contract with the one. Titans. Are you kidding me? They're looking to franchise oh, tag this dude, where he'll make twelve million dollars, while Tannehill is making on average of twenty six. I get it. The quarterback is the face of the team, but come on. If there isn't a time of any to pay your freaking running back, not only that this man is a freaking workhorse, you've got to be kidding me at this point. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I mean, the the industry standard, quarterbacks get paid more, face, leader of the team, blah, 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 blah. But the fact, the fact that Derrick Henry is going to get franchise tag, which means he only has a one-year contract, which means if he gets hurt this coming season, mm-hmm. that's pretty much the end of his career while you let some journeyman of a quarterback, a game manager, that has not – he didn't get 100 yards passing in a playoff game, and they still won. <laughs> come on. Come, <laughs> was it was it was it sixty two? I'm, 62? Just, I'm, I'm hold on, just let me saying, find. like, what, hey. if I was Derrick Henry, I say you can kiss my entire back region, and with that toilet paper that I have, I'm not using it before you kiss my entire <laughs> back region. Come on, wow. I'm just, I'm just saying, that's just I I just I understand the business, I get it, but come on. I just 
check. All right, so so um, so let's see, let's let's do some math. Some, somebody bust out a calculator. Okay, so they Tennessee played a total of three playoff games, um, and he went thirty three for sixty. His completion percentage was sixty percent, and he had a grand total of three hundred. He averaged one hundred and twenty three yards a game. I calculators in my head. It ain't he? Yeah, average 123 yards a yeah. game, and y'all gave him the bag. 100, 123 yards a game. The whole bag. 123 yards a game. Patrick Mahomes does that in two drives. Yeah. <laughs> y'all just get, get out of here. <laughs> like, this is why Dak Prescott ain't signing a contract yet, because he knows he's going to get – somebody's – they're going to have to give him the bag. Yeah, they're going to have to give – because I ain't going to lie to you. If it came down to it, any cool, who would you choose between Dak or Ryan Tannehill? Give me Dak Prescott. Give me Dak Prescott. I'm going to say it. Give me Dak Prescott. Um, yeah, Ryan Tannehill is no more than a game manager. Three yards a game. You telling yeah. me right now that man? I break down some math for you. Four years, 118 million, which is around 12, 29 million dollars a year. Sound like that? 28 point. 28.5, something like mm. that. Just throwing some quick numbers. 29 sounds good. 29.5, maybe. 29.5. Yeah. That between between 17 games, that's about, that's around about almost $2 million a game. That man got paid freaking $100,000 um, $100, a yard. <laughs> I don't know. I, I know wow. that none of that really made any sense. <laughs> but every yard he threw a game, he he got paid a hundred thousand, three feet, three feet, hundred thousand dollars, three three feet. Man, uh, oh boy, <laughs> where 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 do we go wrong? Well, I'm trying to figure out where the hell do we go wrong. This is ridiculous. Where where do we go wrong? Anybody want to tell me the words? We, we didn't throw. Yeah, I'll tell you why you weren't we born white quarterbacks. That's that's where you went wrong. Because white white quarterbacks get paid. Ah, <laughs> uh, that too. Hey, hey, hey. I mean, that's uh. I, I, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see, man. Because it's just um. This is one of those things where it's kind of hey, hi, what the hell, man? I mean, Jerry, you got to open that bag up for Dak Prescott. Speaking of um. Tampa Bay said, you know, we're going to put a tag on um, Shaquille Barrett, 19.5 sacks last year, uh, which means Jameis Winston um, might be on the well, way we know what We out. know who Tampa wants as their quarterback. Hey. Tom Brady. Yep. Mm-hmm. He keeps scratching teams off the list. No Tennessee, no San Francisco, and Tampa Bay wants him down there. But does Brady want to be a Buccaneer? I I, I've been saying all along, I think Brady ultimately ends up back in New England. The, the more I hear, though, the more that they say, no, that, that they're not going to pay him as much as he wants to be paid. He wants to be over $30 million and and doesn't seem like the Patriots are going to be willing to do that. But I don't, I don't know. For some reason, it seems like the Raiders' interest has kind of fallen off a little bit. But I don't know. The so, closer we're getting to it, uh, the more I still think Brady's going to end back in New England. Who's paying Tom Brady thirty million dollars for his history? I'm not. I'm not paying. 
Hit it. Hit. Hold, hold on, be loud. Hit it, Keith. I'm not Nobody. Paying, I'm not paying 30 million bucks for somebody's resume, their history. I'm paying like that. That's not how the NFL works. You're paying somebody for their future. Oh, but it does work that way. Do you think? Do you think Tom Brady is 1.5 million dollars better than Ryan Tannehill? Um, currently in this state, no. Oh boy, I think you're mistaken. You th- you really you really think right now? Like I'm just being honest with you. I don't. Do I think Tom Brady is better than Ryan Tannehill present day? Absolutely. You're you're, you're crazy. And if he can get twenty eight and a half million a year or whatever he just got from Tennessee, then certainly Tom Brady is worth thirty million a year. Who who did New England lose to in the playoffs? Derrick Henry. You just said it. <laughs> I'm just saying. You, just just by your own argument there. You just you just made the argument for me. Derrick Henry's the one that deserves to be paid, not Tannehill. Well, granted, 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 yes, but at the end of the day, you you also just said who's better at quarterback right now? Tannehill won against Brady. I'm just saying. Yes. Okay. I, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm. You know why I'm emphasizing right. that point right now is because nobody should be paying Tom Brady thirty million bucks for what? For what? Did tell me for what? Why am I coming off of thirty million dollars for a forty-three year old quarterback that won't be able to give me anything? You're giving him thirty million because he deserves it from his legacy. If the Patriots won't pay the man, why should any other team do it? The Patriots should pay the man and just tank the season to get a high draft pick next year because Tom Brady has been taking pay cuts his entire career to build that team to give them six freaking Super Bowls. If the Patriots don't pay him, why should anybody else do it at this point? I think the Patriots are going to do it. They're not going to do it. And if they don't, maybe the Raiders will. Maybe the Colts will. Who knows? Dummy. Maybe the Dallas Cowboys will. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, God. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't believe he actually said it. But anything's possible. Now, you know what? You know maybe what? they will. Maybe I, Jarrah we, sets his sights on Tom Brady. Let's take... Let's take two minutes before we go to our favorite part of this show and give the floor to Scotty D to explain himself on why and how, for whatever reason, the Dallas Cowboys pick up Tom Brady and go. He's better than Dak. Scotty D, you're on the floor. Let's hear it. And that's all I have to say about that. You you are smoking crack. You know what? Wow, Eddie Eddie Cool. I didn't Eddie, need the two minutes. Eddie, Eddie Cool, we we're, we're going to negotiate a new collective bargaining agreement for the sports bros. Okay, we you might be okay with smoking oh, little oh marijuana, but please drug test that man. Are you kidding me? You did you just out of your mouth say <laughs> that Tom Brady is better than Dak Prescott right now, currently? Not, not even close. What? Not even close. Dak Prescott has no accuracy, and Brady still does. He doesn't. Tom Brady didn't suck last year, B Live. I know you keep saying that he did, but he didn't. He had a a down a season that was down a little bit by his own standards with a big 
terrible wide receiver tight end issue. Yet he still was in the playoffs in the, in the second week of the playoffs. Was he not? He still he was still in the postseason. Dak he Prescott was wasn't, and they were supposed to be one of the NFC favorites. So yeah, I would say that right now, based on the most recent collection of data, Tom Brady is still better than Dak Prescott. And with your same argument that you've been using a little bit here, where you say Derrick Henry won that game. Granted, yes, Derrick Henry deserves more money. Ended up the reason why the Patriots are where they're at this year wasn't Tom Brady. It was freaking Bill Belichick in that defense. It wasn't Tom Brady. Tom Brady. You've been hating on Brady since I've known you, so. But I give the man respect, but you're trying to tell me I'm paying $30 million. Like, you just made this. We just made the same argument for Ryan Tannehill. You just paid him 28, so certainly Brady's worth $2 million more than he is. No, neither one of them are worth that much. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm going by the quarterback standard. I don't think anybody's worth that much in the world, but, I mean, by the quarterback standard in the NFL on their pay scale, Tom Brady, give me him over Ryan Tannehill and Dak Prescott right now. Just give him to me. I'll take him. I know that it's a short-term solution. I know Brady's not going to be around much more than probably – Another season two, but he's he still has enough left in the tank that he could help the team win. All right. So currently, while you guys were debating about um, debating, quarterbacks, debating about anything, Scotty D just talking garbage. But go ahead, crazy, crazy hot nose. All right. So here we go. As as of right now, um, even though Drew Brees did say he was coming, coming back, they didn't have worked on the contract yet. Uh, let's see who's out there: Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Jameis Quinston, uh, Mariota, Chase Daniel. Yeah, and it just gets bad after that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, they can always go get Joe Webb or Blake Bortles or Jeff Driscoll. And by the time this this is on the air, by the time this podcast has been complete, Dak Prescott will have received the franchise tag. I'm pretty sure of it. So it's not like Brady to Dallas. It's not a possibility. That's just me. Blowing smoke because there's no other sports to watch right now, and I had to talk about something. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that I think that does it for the NFL <laughs> wraparound between the CBA and who deserves that bag: Ryan Tannehill, Dak Prescott, or Tom Brady. And now our favorite part of the show: the choices of the voices. And thank you once again to the wonderful and lovely Miss Button, as always, for introducing our favorite segment of the show, The Choices of the Voice. Yeah, you heard the woman. She ain't lying. She telling the truth. It's her honest, fair self. She is right. She is telling us and telling you that this is our favorite portion of the show. Scotty D, what is this week's question for The Choices of the Voices? Well, we were on track for March Madness, so it was going to be topical. So the question that I asked was, what college basketball team have you seen in the history of watching college basketball that you thought was the best team that you saw out there? And uh, I think we actually had a, a couple a couple very interesting responses. Yep, we got we got quite a few. Got quite a few. Got quite a few. I even, I even got one offline that I asked somebody, and they, um, they gave me a pretty good answer. Pretty good answer. All right, so here we go. We got Jr. He said the 2009-2010 National Championship Duke Blue Devils. 
um, with Nolan Smith, Mason Plumley, Kyle Singler, Ryan Kelly, John Shire, with all the heart. Uh, they were underdogs that year, but they pulled it out. That was a pretty damn good team. What year was that? Uh, 2009, 2010, the Duke Blue Devils. Oh, yeah, I, I do remember that. I think they, yeah. they beat Butler in the championship game that year, maybe? Yes, yes, a very tough Butler team. Yeah, they yeah. beat a very tough Butler team. All right, let's see. Who's next? Mike Davis. What's going on, Mike Davis? Long time to hear from Buddy O'Pal. He said the UNLV team of 90-91. Woo! Yeah, that's that what... That um, team was dominant, boy. That team was like Mike Tyson on the floor. They were just going out and owning people. Yeah, they beat up everybody. That was um, the Jerry Tarkanian-led running Rebels of the University of Nevada at Las Vegas. That was UNLV. a... Stack team, Grandma Ma, Larry Johnson, Stacy Ogman, George Ackles, Anderson Hunt, Greg Anthony. That was a that was a tough, tough team, man. And they were like public enemy number one. They were just they were they were like the bad boy team and man, they were they were fun to watch. Yeah, I remember great stories about them. Is there a 30 for 30 about them? If there's not, there's an HBO story about them. I, one of the yeah. one of the two one of the two networks did did a special on those teams. Oh, well, they deserve a thirty for thirty, man. They deserve a thirty. I'm saying they deserve a thirty for thirty, man. The running rebels. You better watch out because when a uh, Tarkanian bites that towel, it's over with. Done. Hang it up. All right, here we go. We got Rodney. Rodney says, "Give me the 2001 Duke, uh, Duke Blue Devils National Player of the Year." I'm sorry, yeah, the 2001 Duke Blue Devils, excuse me. Uh, and he gave the reasons why. Uh, National Player of the Year was Jay Williams. People forget how good that cat was before his motorcycle accident. And you pair him up with Shane Battier, one of the best college defenders of all times, uh, Carlos Boozer, an NBA All-Star, Mike Dunleavy, an NBA starter, Chris Duhon, underrated collegiate point guard and NBA player, Dante Jones, who made it to the league, Reggie Love, who was an assistant for Barack Obama, had no idea about that. And uh, Nate James, a great collegiate player. So we got two, um, you know, two Duke teams that made it in the um, this week's edition of Choices of the Voices. That was a loaded team. Yeah. I know Rodney's a big Duke fan. I'm actually kind of surprised he didn't go with the Leitner, Hurley, Grant Hill combination. Yeah, that team was uh, that team was tough too. Yeah, that team was tough too. Uh, yeah, Duke, uh, Duke put out a lot of good teams, man. A lot of good teams. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of good teams. Let's see. All right, let's see. And then he put, okay, he said it was a strong team, long, athletic, unselfish, and five guys that love to play defense. I and mean, then I would say even better than the Hill, Hurley, and Leighton squad. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because I had to go back and read it again. Yeah, so he said uh, oh, he the did, 01. He did mention that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He said the 01 team was better than um, was, was better than that team. Uh, Martin Tracy, he said, the 1996 Kentucky Wildcats, the untouchables. You talk about a loaded team. Scotty D, who was on that team? Was it Antoine Walker, Walter McCarty? Who else? Derek Anderson, Tony Delk. Oh, yeah. Those zero. I remember Ron yeah. Mercer, Nazi Muhammad, mm-hmm. Mark Pope, Jeff Shepard. And Wayne Turner. And Wayne Turner, at one point, he was the point guard. He was there all four years. Uh, he At one point, he had the record, and this held for uh, quite a few years, of 151 games played in the NCAA tournament. That means that he was pretty much going to the finals every year or, or into the final four to play that many games. I'm not sure who – I can't remember who has broken that streak, but 
that's that that team was stacked. And that team actually, I mean, they lost some of those guys to the NBA, but uh, they mm. they won the national championship beating Syracuse. Next year, they lost a handful of those guys to the NBA. They still went back to the national championship, and they lost to Arizona. Who that was the hot team with Mike Bibby and Miles Simon. Mm-hmm. Two years later, they won it again in ninety seven ninety eight team, and that team, um, I think they added Jamal McGlure, another guy that would go on play in the NBA. You know, uh, yep. Uh, Scott Padgett, I think he, he already mentioned him before, but that was another team that was loaded, and that was a team that was down big to Duke in uh, I can't remember if it was the Elite Eight or Final Four, and and came back from like an eighteen point deficit and and won that, and that was during coach transition. They had Patino for the first two of those three years, and uh, he was replaced by Tubby Smith, and they they won the national yep. championship the second of those three years with him. So. That team, man, it's hard to it's hard to argue against that team because there was a lot of talent on that on those untouchables. That's a team that gets overlooked a lot because the Duke and North Carolina teams of the of the nineties get a lot of a lot of press, but the Kentucky those Kentucky teams were outstanding. That was a heck of a run in that three year period there. Yeah. Oh, and before I go further, of of course, you know we're in this whole sports sabbatical strike thing slash um, COVID nineteen thing. ESPNU they've been broadcasting. Um, a lot of the conference championship games, and one in particular I remember was UNC versus Wake Forest. I want to say it was during the time when Tim Duncan and Rashid Wallace was there. I think About ninety five, six, seven, somewhere in there. Yeah, 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 ninety six. I remember that Wake Forest team with Trelawney Owens, Randolph Childress. Tim Duncan. You had yeah. Dave Odom as a head coach, and on the other side, you had the Tar Heels. With the legendary Dean Smith, Serge Wicker, which was getting that work put on him by Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan was just <laughs> was just busting his ass out the building. I ain't gonna lie to you. Uh, let me see who else was on that uh, North Carolina team. Um, God, God, yeah, yeah, Rashid, um, Dante Calabria. Yeah, those, those are some low. Those, man, I'm telling you, man, that ACC, SEC basketball between the late '90s, man. Mid to late nineties, loaded man. They had a bunch of teams. Man, it was some great. It was a great time to watch some college basketball. Yeah, it really was. All right, so then uh, let's see. Last but not least, we got a um, friend to the show, a uh, stat bro, Kyle P. Kyle Ponstingle. He said he gave me he gave me two of them. He said the Lady Yukon Huskies dynasty. Oh, okay. Right? Yep. And then he said the two thousand one Duke Blue Devils led by Shane Battier. Yep. So that's one, two, three for the Dukies. Yeah. yeah. Yep, three for the Dukies. Be like, oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm just okay. All right, I'm just, I'm just, I was giving, just, I was just giving this time because there's a lot of Duke love, and I'm just like, all right, cool. Uh, oh boy, <laughs> I was wondering. Why I just, I'm just, I'm just letting it go. I mean, because I, 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 I'm, I'm preparing myself for my answer because my, my... 2020 Clemson Tigers yeah. robbed of their chance at the national championship by the coronavirus. <laughs> wow! Wow! You, you, you know, hey, you you, you you just love just ruining my little spite. I, I I get it, I get it. We we have not we have not referenced my Clemson Tigers and hashtag all roads lead to Dabo. So I do appreciate it. I do there we appreciate go. that. So Surely they were going to win it this year. Surely they were. <laughs> oh man! All right, so here we go. Uh, speaking of people with teams and stuff, uh, Belaf, what you got for your team? As the best college basketball team you've ever seen. 
in your life. I'm going to say this, and it's going to be somewhat controversial because the team that I picked did not win a championship. But when you come to, when you have a collection of players that just revolutionized the game and they just, and they're one game short two years in a row, just, I just think, honestly, you put them together for a third year. I don't know. I mean, there's all kinds of different things, but I'm telling you, one team that just revolutionized the game, the game has not been the same since, was Michigan's Fab Five. Okay. They ran into a 92 Duke team and a 93 North Carolina team in the national championship. I mean, that there's no better way or worse way to lose in a national championship to those two programs. But come on, Chris Webber, Jay Rose, Juwan Howard, Jimmy King, Ray Jackson, that team, they just came out and they say, you know what, screw what y'all used to have been doing with the tight shorts and the um, the, the white socks and the basketball shorts. They, these dudes came out with the baggy shorts, the freaking black, um, the black socks, the black shoes. I mean, they revolutionized the game. It has not been the same ever since. And these guys, as a collective unit, freaking, they dominated on the court, except for the national championship game. And then Chris mm. Weber with the, the the timeout that wasn't. And I mean, just I honestly like you know me. I like to think outside the box. I, I'm not going to go with your typical answer, but it was really just watching them play was just like wow. These guys just they like they really ran rough shot throughout the entire um, throughout the tournament. I mean, these guys. I've, I I want to look it up real quick to see. I mean, how many games did they lose as a unit? I mean, they couldn't have been that many. No, they didn't lose much. I glued, and I, I glued and it up I'm for you. I'm actually not even sh- – at that time, I don't even think the Big Ten had a conference championship, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong, but I don't think the Big Ten had a conference champion cha- championship. So they never had a chance to win that championship either, really. I mean, other than beyond regular season. So, I mean, but this is one of those things. I enjoyed really watching them play. And I, and I grew up in the Dirty South and watching these storied – traditional Duke and North Carolina teams. And then, and UNLV was another one, like I said, when, that was mentioned before. Those, it, watching them play, like, who are these guys? That, oh, shoot. These guys are for real, for real. Like, I enjoy North Carolina basketball without a dollar question, but it was one of those things that that Fab Five team and also that UNLV team, they're like, whoa, okay, all right, those are definitely like teams that stood out with me growing up. So that's why I wanted to feature the Fab Five, even though they didn't win it, but they were right there. And just think, they're just a couple plays away. If they'd have won those two championships, it would easily be one of the greatest units and teams of all time. So I I, I put them up there for that very reason. Yeah, I I, I can't it, argue that. I. I... I think they 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 win it, the whole thing if Chris Webber comes back for his junior year, but him leaving changed everything. Okay, so here we go. Uh, let's see. That first year was the ninety one ninety two year, and they went. Of course, you know they got into some trouble and they had to vacate some wins yep. and stuff. Chris Webber. Uh, yeah. Um. 
un- unadjusted, they went 25 and 9. So their original, they're, they're, then, but the record wound up being uh, 24 and 8. And they were, you know, they were in the thick of things in the Big Ten. Uh, the following year, um, they went 31 and 5. Yeah, they went 31 and 5, but, you know, they had to, um, you know, they, those wins got, you know, those two years got vacated. And so, um, and I, and I, if they would, if they would have been clean, they wouldn't have lost a bunch of games, man. It was just those boys and, tough. And I want to make a make a notion that that ninety one ninety two season, they were all freshmen. They were Kentucky yep. before Kentucky was Kentucky. They were all freshmen, and this wasn't just freshmen that were going to go to the league next year. No, these they, they all came together and said, you know what, freaking. They just like that's it was unprecedented at the time. An all freshman team, yeah, going all the way to the national championship. And I'm talking again against a story, um, proven Duke team and a story proven North Carolina team when they were all, were all sophomores. Like the, the, the and they way may that- have been the ones that set the trend with the longer pants, too, because before that, everyone was wearing those really young shorts out there. Right. That's the, what's the- the he said young. young. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that's all like. I heard that a while, young shorts. <laughs> it hasn't been a minute, but it is so true. And it was, it was controversial at the time because, it was like, it was one of those things where that was also on that cusp of. The game changing from the um, predominantly um, what's the best way um, fundamentals um, mm. to where it was like they were like they played street ball, <laughs> you know. It's like they did, yeah. Got the alley yeah. and the and the fast breaks, yeah. They were see it, they re- they revolutionized the game. They changed it completely and. The game wouldn't be what it is today if it wasn't for that 91. It wasn't for the Fab Five. Yep, for the Fab Five. All right, be live. You pick Fab Five. Scotty D, who you pick? Well, um, I'm not going to choose this team, but I do want to point out the, the team that I put on, on the picture last week, the Florida Gators, they get slept on a lot. They are overlooked. Uh, they they repeated in I think it was two thousand six and seven. That was a team that was also yep. stacked with future NBA players. They had Tarion Green, Al Horford, Corey Brewer, Joe Kim Noah, Chris Richard, Maurice Spates all went to the NBA, and then they had that shooter Lee Humphrey as a uh, as as like their three point threat. That team was loaded, man. Yep. That was a really good team, and and to go back to back, you know, after their junior year. All of them decided they were coming back, or maybe it was after their sophomore year. They all came back for their second uh, second run at it and completed it. So that was a, a a really good team that gets overlooked. So I just want to give them props. When I when I first posed this question, I was positive that I was going to say UNLV, the Larry Johnson team that I already spoke of. And then I just started thinking about it, and Maddie's argument with the Untouchables, the Kentucky team. That, that swayed me, just the depth of that team. To have nine guys that were going to be future NBA players, man, that, that team was so fun to watch. They were really good, and they were beating teams that I didn't like. I didn't like Syracuse. They beat them. I didn't like Duke. They beat them. You know, I, to me, that gave me a little bit of joy, a little bit of extra joy. 
if UNLV had had repeated, I think that would probably they they most likely would have gone down in history as maybe the best the best at least in recent memory. I mean, I, obviously the UCLA dominance of the the sixties and seventies was a little bit before my time, but the uh, the modern day era, the we'll call it the the March Madness era, since the tournament started in the the early eighties, that UNLV team, I just think they lost that 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 second go around with Duke in the final four, that repeat year because coach K, I mean, that was kind of the beginning of the coach K brilliance right there. Uh, Duke would go on to win that championship over Kansas a couple nights after upsetting UNLV. But when UNLV lost that, that game to Duke, man, that was, that was a big, big deal at the time. That was such a big upset. So had they pulled that off, if UNLV pulled off that repeat, I think they would be my answer, but, I'm going to go with that uh, Kentucky team that Maddie Maddie Ice uh, mentioned earlier as well. So that's my choice. Yeah, man, that was um, that was a brutal loss by the running rebels, man. It was just uh, they say the um, the blow that knocked the wind out of the sail. Yeah, that did it was a given that they uh-huh. were going to repeat that year. They were just running everybody off the floor. I don't think they lost, if I'm not mistaken, before they lost to Duke that year. I think they were they were trying to become an undefeated champion. I think so too. Yeah, that does sound right. Well, let's have a look. See, let's have a look. See, I I don't even think anybody got close to them that year. To be honest with you, yeah, they just they they just they just they just steamrolled everybody, man. I was they were third. They were thirty four and they went thirty four and one. Yeah, so Duke was their first loss at the end of the season. Yep, they have thirty thirty four and one, and Duke was like. Here, have this. Yeah, that 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 ah, that that really has to stay. Really has to stay. Let's see the conference they played in. They played in the the Big West Conference, fellas. Consists of New Mexico State, Pacific, UC Santa Barbara, Utah State, Cal State Fullerton, Fresno State, Long Beach State, uh, UC Irvine, and San Jose. And that was part of the problem too. They hadn't been pushed or tested all year. And the first time somebody hit them in the mouth, which was Duke, they uh, they weren't quite ready for it. I don't think. And I, I, I again. Not that Jerry Tarkanian wasn't a good coach, but I think Coach K is the superior coach, and that that played out on that day. Yep, it really did play out on that day. Yeah, the the, the next best team in their their conference was the New Mexico State. <laughs> was it the Aggies? Yeah, the Aggies. Oh man! Well, that leaves me and my team. As soon as you said this, Scott, one player, one team, one school came to mind: Kimball Walker. Ooh. UConn, 2010-2011. The run that they went on, when, that's another case of picking up steam at the right time and, you know, they really need some help And because, like, in the conference play, they went 9-9 nine and nine in their conference, right? And then they started heating up around tournament time and Kimba just put on the show at Madison Square Garden. I said, man, if he keeps this up, it's going to, hey, UConn's going to be a tough out. Well, they wound up not getting out at all because they went on to win the national championship. Against um, Butler, right? Yeah, man. Those, <laughs> yep, against against, um, Butler. Uh, was against Butler. Yeah, against Butler. Once again, those poor doggone Bulldogs. And, uh, yeah, they just – yeah, Kimba got hot at the right time. He was shimmying and shaking. And that step back, that step back – Oh, yeah, Steph Curry, eat your heart out. Yeah, that step back was no joke, man. And so um, the thing about that, man, the legacy of Kimball Walker still, you know, holds some weight, still holds some credibility. And, you know, people be like, hey, 
you think about Kimball Walker, oh, that's that bad man, Kimball Walker. But um, for his sake, man, I hope that he can really um, rectify his situation in Boston, man, because uh, he got a real raw deal in Charlotte. You know, you just, it was just him and four other bums, and they couldn't do nothing, and it was just, come on, man, you no. I'll tell you this, though, Eddie, <laughs> no. about that. Uh, th- that run that they went on that year, I mean, I know they got hot in the in the in the regular tournament, but they got hot first in the Big East tournament. And listen to the teams they had to beat in that Big East tournament. Yeah. At that time, they they beat DePaul in the first round. Okay, that that's that to be expected. Georgetown was number twenty-two. Jimmy. Pitt was number three. Syracuse was eleven, and Louisville was number fourteen. So that's four teams they beat in a row that were ranked in the top twenty-five to win the big East tournament. That's not even the getting into March madness. Yep. Yeah. I was, I just, I just happened to pull up that season as well. Cause I was like, Oh, Eddie, cool. You were on to one. Cause like, what, what were they, what were they rank? Were they were like an eight seed in the, um, NCAA? nine, the nine eight seed. or nine. Yeah. 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 Because they go, because, uh, let me see. They went 90. Um, it was a three-way tie for nine and nine between Connecticut, Villanova, and Marquette. So they were like, you know, in the middle of the pack. And then after that, you got Seton Hall, Rutgers, Providence, South Florida, and DePaul, which, you know, was pretty much just, just the bottom of the conference. But I'll tell you yeah. this, 96 Kentucky would have wiped the floor with them. <laughs> oh, oh hey, hey, man, I, I wouldn't be the surprised. Five, five would have wiped the Since floor you said with about them that, too, probably. But – but they did have uh, four players from the team went to the NBA: Jeremy Lamb, Shabazz Napier, and I don't remember the other guy, Alex Orkai. Is that how you say his name? Kim, Kimba, Alex Orkai. I think he went on to. I think he went on to the. NBA. Yeah, he played. He played for Phoenix, but I I don't really remember yep, yep, much yep. about him. But Shabazz Napier and Jeremy Lamb, I I definitely remember that. So that that was that was a good team. It's it's surprising when you look at, back at it that they weren't better in the regular season, but they they got hot when it mattered the most, man. They 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 ended up like you said that was a heck of a run. Yeah, because I'm over here looking at the, the 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 Big East tournament. Yeah, Georgetown, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, Louisville. Then they played Bucknell, see Cincinnati. Then da, 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 da. in in the tournament they beat Bucknell, Cincinnati, San Diego State, Arizona. Kentucky and Butler. Yeah, they went on a run, a run like a yeah, they went on a definite run, man. So uh yeah, that was a good team to watch, man, towards the end of that uh, towards the end of that tournament, man. I'm like, man, it's going to be a good team to watch come to, you know, the um the national championship and uh yeah. Yukon, Jim Calhoun and them, the 2010-2011 Connecticut Huskies. You guys know that Jim Calhoun is back to coaching again? I heard that somewhere. A Division 3 school or something yep, I think. Yep. Yeah, but divisions three school. I think they lost in like the national championship. So, uh, yeah, Coach Calhoun, man, um, still at it, still at it. He's gonna be one of those guys that can't Coach be still. Calhoun back at it. Rick Pitino back at it. Man, <laughs> yep, yep, back at it, back at it. So, Scotty D, what you got for um, next week's choices of the voices? All right. Segments? So, I was thinking a little bit um, earlier. We mentioned Rudy Gobert and how he impacted this whole coronavirus thing. Um, big impact so i was gonna ask to you for our listeners to bring up somebody tell us about an athlete that you thought had a big impact on society that went beyond sports beyond what went on on the field on the court on the ice someone that that their 
you know, doesn't even have to be a great athlete, but somebody that that was significant enough to have an impact that went beyond just the playing field. So that's that's uh, some answers I'd like to discuss next week. Because Rudy Gobert at this point, right, pretty- his impact is bigger than any impact he's going to have on the Utah Jazz. Yeah, from here on out, if if like you said, if he don't be known for anything else, he'll be known for um, COVID nineteen, aka that Gobert twenty seven. He was the he was a former defensive player of the year. Right? Possibly, I know he led the league in blocks one or two years. Uh, he was, you know, he he's not a, a big time scorer. I think, like I said earlier, he averages like eleven a game, and I think this year was his first year as an All Star. But uh, his his impact is definitely being felt uh, throughout the United States right now. All right, um, and um, a disclaimer notice, disclaimer notice, um, warning, warning, um, bad joke alert, bad joke alert. Um, <laughs> Rudy Gobert definitely won Defensive Player of the Year this year because he shut everybody down. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he did. shut down the entire <laughs> And that's it for the choices of the voices. In the words of the money man, Scotty D, man, we got to bring some levity to the situation. All right, we got to do something. We have to do something. All right, so, of course, you noticed uh, we don't have a whole lot of XFL or anything else to talk about, basketball or anything. So uh, we're going to start something going on, and we're going to start something until uh, sports comes back. It's going to be hashtag Ask the Sports Bros, where we give you the platform to ask us questions and we do our best to give answers and we can talk about it back and forth. Um, if you don't know where that tag, uh, that post is exactly check the pin post on the top of the Facebook like page. All right. So we got a couple questions. Uh, one comes from Lorenzo Livingston and he says, why does LeBron James have so many haters? Oh, I got this. One. Go very first. easy. The decision. Okay. Ter- the decision. The decision. Period, point blank. An hour of our time will never get back where he shunned his own hometown to take his talents to South Beach. Why? For what? Why, why do we have to go through all that theatrics? Here's one thing. People are always going to hate talent. Like that you we, we all we all have an innate sense as a human being. Like that if somebody's doing something better than me. We're going to be jealous. We're going to have a little hatred. We're going to be a little salty. But when you do something like that, mm-hmm. when you literally, you're literally holding the entire, an entire city, an entire fan base, they're on the edge of their seats. They're like, please come back. Like, I mean, I'm talking about the economic impact that LeBron James has on one city and just a franchise and as a whole, like jobs were lost. You know what I'm saying, and so yep. for him to play, for him to take something that seriously and turn it into a circus and a fiasco was like, who does that? People still haven't gotten over that. Just to let you know, and that really just soured his legacy. He's done a lot since then for the city of Cleveland, and in his basketball prowess, he's definitely one of the greatest of all time. You definitely put it up there, but the reason why. That will always sit in the minds of people, in the hearts of people, especially the Cleveland fan base, because he essentially did it again. Now he's in L.A. doing his thing, which I call that. I call that before it even happened. He's going to L.A. He's Hollywood now. But just the economic impact, and just he, he literally 
played the city of Cleveland like a bunch of puppets. Oh, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach. It made it sound like that Cleveland was a second-rate city. That The decision, period, point blank, changed the minds mm-hmm. of a lot of people when it came to how they view LeBron James. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's why, this why we talk about it. You ask the sports pros, this is what you're going to get. Yeah, I, I do think that what has a think? lot to do with it, as well as um, the fact that he's on TV all the time, getting compared to the greatest players all the time. And uh, a lot of players, or a lot of fans, I should say, have players who they've loved for a long time. And when you hear LeBron's coming back, oh, he might be better than Magic Johnson. He might be better than Michael Jordan. And immediately you get defensive and turn on him a little bit. And Again, the fact that he's on on TV, he's you see him a lot. He, he's all over the place. I think that has a little bit to do with it. But the decision definitely was the the turning point that that a lot of people soured on him, including myself. I did not like LeBron James for one minute while he was in Miami. I didn't root for him a single game. I thought that him going back to Cleveland was a nice story, and you know, it kind of softened my. Um, it kind of softened my stance on him as far as my dislike. I, I've never loved him uh, as a Laker fan. I root for him, and uh, and I respect him. But that that decision, the way that was handled, and and I think that was he was largely talked into that. You know, Jim Gray and the networks were really wanting to get a story and doing something that had not been done before. But I thought that was a slap in the face to Cleveland, and I think he actually has. If I'm not mistaken, I think he's already kind of said he wouldn't do it that way again if he had to do over. But I, I think B Live was really onto something there with that with that answer. Yep, I agree with you guys too, man. It was just the whole this, the, the handling of the decision and just um, kind of spurning a city that you know, like I said, be living here these last few years. They will ride with you. They will die with you. If you kill somebody, they'll dump a body for you. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, they'll 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 go to war for you, man. But when you once you spurn them, man, hey, you know it's it's all bets are off. But I mean, he did um come back and said, you know what, I'm gonna bring a championship to my hometown, and I think that has really rectified the um, his image here in Cleveland. And also, you know, you know what? Okay, you can go. You don't you 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 you've lived up to your word. You can go ahead and go. So um, yeah, those are a few reasons why people, you know. They may have uh, to use a wrestling term. Why he may have some heat is because of this of the decision and uh, the comparison to some of the greats such as Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, and the late Kobe Bean Bryant. Uh, can we just get rid of twenty twenty <laughs> and do it all over again? Oh, I still can't. I, I still can't believe that. All right, Scotty, these might be a little bit more in your wheelhouse. Uh, Mike Davis said, "As a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, it kills me to see such a trash product put out on the field every year." I feel like there should be some sort of intervention with ownership if they refuse to spend the money to put out at least a competitive team. I know teams like the Astros drafted well, but even when we do refuse to pay the players, but even but even when we do, sorry, we refuse to pay the players. Uh, I guess he's asking for our thoughts. Uh, Scotty D, this is in your wheelhouse, as you said on the uh, Yeah, it, <laughs> on the it really is because I'm a long-suffering Pittsburgh Pirate fan. And last year, you heard me rant and rave a lot about I wanted Neil Huntington, general manager, gone. I wanted Hurdle gone. And they're gone. And so I decided to have an open mind with a new regime coming in. But this it's the same owner that was unwilling to spend money before that so far 
this offseason, the big free agent signing is Jared Dyson. Anybody? And uh, <laughs> he, yeah, he, he's the big the outfield signing to replace Starley Marte and JT Riddle. Um, you guys are probably thinking wrestling when I say JT Riddle because there's a Matt Riddle that's a wrestler. I, I don't believe they're related. But <laughs> JT, JT Riddle uh, has a 229 career average and 223 career games. He, he's the shortstop signing. It's just it as as pirate fans, you feel like we're getting more of the same until we see something different. Uh, you know, they have the luxury tax for teams like the Cubs, Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox who who spend a certain amount and that money, that luxury tax money is supposed to go back and help these lower market teams to get a little bit of of a little wedge of the pie there to be able to be more competitive. And the pirates through the years have shown they weren't willing to spend that money. A few years back, they had success. Three straight years of going to the postseason with those teams that Andrew McCutcheon was the leader of those teams. And he was the MVP one year. And it felt mm-hmm. so good to be relevant again in Pittsburgh to have your baseball team be competitors. But even then, they didn't strike with the iron was hot. They didn't really go out and help supplement Andrew McCutcheon's teams with, with any kind of free agents. I mean, if anything, that's when you spend your money is when you have a chance. I understand teams are going to go through rebuilds. The Marlins did it twice. They won the World Series and then pawned off their players. But at least while they were while they were competitive, Ugh. they spent a lot of money to try to win their championship. I mean, granted, they pawned them all off the year after that. But the Pirates didn't even do that. Whenever we had McCutcheon and Josh Harrison, you, you know, we had yep. these, we had these good players that, that were showing a lot of promise. Marte, we didn't go out and, and get any kind of uh, big time help out in the free agent market, and that's what's frustrating to Pittsburgh. And when that team started to disintegrate, and they, you know, you hated seeing Garrett Cole and Andrew McCutcheon get sent off to other cities, but the return wasn't good either. I mean, it's not like they they restocked the pond. It was almost like other teams in the league were taking advantage of the Pirates and plucking their better players off the vine and not giving much in return. So there's a new regime in town. Uh, I, I hope – I know we'll have an abbreviated season, so I hope this season we see some signs of progress from the young players and they're willing to spend going forward. But until until I see that, I, I don't believe it. I don't believe our, our, our owner is going to do anything for us. I'm not going to lie, man. When they said the Pirates were in playoff contention, I was like, yo. Let's go Bucks. That's not even my team. But I, after a while, man, you get tired of seeing these cellar-dwelling, bottom-feeding teams just be so – just just be bad year in and year out, year in and year out. And as you mentioned, you got good players. You try to build around and you try to make things happen. But, you know, you don't give it time to develop, blossom, and grow. And then the next thing you know, they're getting traded off and then you're back to square one again. It's about worse these dog on Cleveland Browns. I'm not gonna lie to you. I really want the Browns to win, but I, but the way this thing's being set up, I don't know. I have no idea, man. And it's just, um, I was happy to see the, um, you know, the Pirates in the playoffs for that one time. Even though it was a wild card, I was happy to see it. But it's just, um, things got to happen. Money got to be spent, and they yeah, got to figure it yeah. out. Be like, um, and Scotty D really, really hit the nail on the head right there because the because I'm not as um, well-versed when it comes to the um, Pittsburgh Pirates, but I'm, it's notor- they're notorious for not spending money. 
So I was like, let me hit the Google machine. Let me hit Wikipedia. Let me find out about the owner of the Pittsburgh Pirates. The, pr- the principal owner, Robert okay. Nutting, billionaire, one of the um, top 10 richest owners in um, Major League Baseball. And they had the third lowest payroll this past year. You got to pay to play. At the end of the day, like, I'm just looking at it, just looking at his Wikipedia, this guy has nothing to do with baseball. It's a No, bit, doesn't care about baseball. It's, it's a business to mm-hmm. him. It's a money-making business to him. And so he's not going to spend money because he doesn't give a crap, which I think is just, it's just what's wrong with um, an aspect of capitalism today. Like, people don't get into businesses because of their desire for it. They just see dollar figures. And, and it ends up being a subpar product. And, is, and once again, it just looks like when you have owners like a Robert Nutting or your James Dolan, or just, I mean, I'm just, oh you're always going to have subpar product because these guys don't care about freaking the sport or what they own. They don't care about what they own. All they see is dollar figures. Like, I love, here's one thing. This might sound crazy, Scotty D. I'm going to say this on the air. I actually don't mind but then again, I'm I you know what I can't even do it because I thought about it. I can't do it. I was about to give Jerry Jones some props. Nope, I'm not. <laughs> nope. I was I was oh, about oh, to oh, and boy. I really thought about it. He don't care about the sport either. No, the thing about Jerry Jones is that he tries. He just he won't get out of his own way. He won't get Robert, out of his own way. Robert Nutting from Pittsburgh is content yeah, is. to make money. And to Mike's point is in his question is isn't it time for the other owners or, you know, Major League Baseball to get involved and say, can't we get get this, get this guy out of here because he's unwilling to put together a winning product? He's not spending money to, to make his team competitive on the field. And I think that he, start, he might be starting to feel a little heat of that because prior to firing Hurdle and Huntington last year, he just extended them contracts, which was lazy because they weren't doing anything. He had just given those guys four-year contracts – each to you know to extend into i believe we, they were going to go through 2023 something like that don't quote me on that but anyway my point my point is he's starting to feel the heat of the outside saying the people of pittsburgh deserve better so he made the changes now we'll see going forward you know maybe the new regime has come in and said let's not put any money on free agency yet let's build with what we have and then try to supplement it from there so i'm hoping that that's the case but I'm not sold, and neither is Pittsburgh at this point. Yeah, it's just uh, 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 eventually you brought up another um, another the co-captain of Team Knucklehead uh, was James Dolan. I, I'm just trying to figure out when when do you realize that you know what these people are showing up night in and night out, and I'm over here just worrying about other things, and I'm not worried about this money-making entity where people are buying season tickets like in the NFL, what they got them, PSL, personal seat, uh, owners or whatever, PS, whatever you call them, you know, um, buying season tickets and buying, you know, sp- spending money and concessions and everything and merchandise and all, all this stuff revolving around your team. 
um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna say it like this: When right. when are you gonna give a damn? When are you gonna give a damn? Because whatever you tell me, I don't believe it. And they say seeing is believing, and I'm seeing that you don't give a damn, which makes me believe that you don't give a damn. Because if you gave a damn, then you would yes. be right here like the Talk Steve Ballmers and the Mark Preach. Cubans. And you would be right like you would be like the Steve Ballmers and the Mark Cubans. Uh, uh, um, um, our our owner, uh, Tep Tepper, Jerry Jones. You would actually give a damn and actually try to put something on the field. To keep those fans there, that's how you alienate your fan base right there. When they when they see the owner don't give a damn and years of infutility and incompetence, they gonna say, right. you know what? I got better things to do. I mean, as 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 turbulent as the Browns are, they try, okay, year after year after year to put something together. But as far as the owner of the Pirates and that damn James Dolan, you don't do nothing. Almost <laughs> calls y'all some mf. It's, it's, you almost, you almost got MF, MF, and deservedly so because you have to please your fan base. They help you make money, so in order for you to want that money, to for them to spend that money, then you have to get that. You know what? It's like this: if I'm a New York fan, if I'm a New York mm, Knicks fan right now, I'm saying to myself, the team has sucked for twenty years. Why, why should I go to a game? Why should I support this organization? Tell me why. I've been hearing people on different podcasts. Hey, man, I'm boycotting the, ne- uh, the Knicks till they get better. And I'm surprised, Scotty D, people haven't boycotted the Pirates uh, till they I, get I, better. I implore you to watch them this year. I think this year they're going to set a record low attendance. I really do. I'm, as If, if oh, I was a New York ooh. Knicks fan and I saw by far the biggest Knicks fan I've ever seen in the history of that franchise, being shunned by the owner, I can be, I'm picking a new team. I'm sorry, just yeah. The, I get it. Spike Lee doesn't own the team, but if he ain't been on that sideline forever, and ever, just I, I, it goes back into it goes back into like. I, I think you guys can agree. We have an innate passion for sports in general and as a whole, and especially when it comes to our teams that we choose. Like, you can't tell Scott nothing about his Cowboys. You can't. Nothing. They're going under. Hey, they're going every year. They're going right. undefeated. You can't, nothing. Damn you can't tell Scott a thing about the Dallas Roughnecks of the XFL. <laughs> can't tell me nothing about them, boys. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. Can't but, tell me nothing about them boys. But nah, that's what I'm saying. <sighs> God, God forbid something were to happen in our lives that a billion dollars would drop in our in our um in our lap. Tell me right now you wouldn't buy a franchise, a sports and I'm you want something. somebody gotcha. that has the capital, has the money, owns this team that you love and freaking you wrap your we wrap our lives around our sports teams. Like right now, I got orange yep. all over my house right now. I love Clemson Tigers. I love them. It's a what it's a wonderful time. We lost this year, but it's all right. But <laughs> but don't no, start crime I, that's what I'm saying. Like we wrap our lives, like we've literally committed hundreds, 
thousands of dollars for merchandise and all this stuff and what we do to watch somebody that owns the team that doesn't give a crap. Just, oh, it, it almost it almost made me want to stare right. a whole hole in the so side of the head. Just, oh, it, it, it's, it's infuriating. Scotty D, Mike, I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. I'm glad I'm not a Pirates fan because it's this is sad. It really is sad. You, I'm cussing every day. If I, well, oh my god, yeah, Ugh. yeah. Ask us, we give you an answer. Ask the sports bros. And all right, that's been an action-packed edition of the Sports Bros podcast. Like I said, we'll be continuing this until uh, we get some normal sports going on. So, uh, like I said, um, if you have a question, just hit us up on that pin post. Or we'll post one every week where you can ask the sports bros at hashtag ask the sports bros. And um, we're going to have some fun and answer your questions. All right. We're rounding the corner, going to third page. They're giving me the go home cue. And it is pepper time. Pepper, pepper, pepper. Three things in the world of sports that we talk about kind of sort of rapid fire style. And with the lack thereof, we scrounging. I ain't going to lie to you. <laughs> we are scrounging. I'm not going to lie to you. And I'll go first. My first pepper point is one that came out of nowhere. I was like, huh? This guy? You seriously? Of course, you know, college basketball is at a cease. Stop. A cessation. Ain't no more going on. But that didn't stop Iona College from hiring Rick Patino. You heard me right. Rick Patino. The coach, his last coaching tenure was with Louisville from 2001 to 2017, and he got caught up in that scandal, and it got real ugly, and they got him up out of there real quick, real, 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 real quick. So Rick Patino says, you know what? My passion for coaching basketball began in New York, and it will end in New York. Um, hopefully... Um, Rick Patino can get it right this time. Yeah, the uh, the Iona Gales. Yeah, hopefully he can get it right this time, playing in the Metro Atlantic Conference. Uh, yeah, wait and see. Rick Patino, who's had not one but two NCAA titles vacated from him. I swear, him and him and John Calipari, they got to be some of the most luckiest guys on the planet. But when you get top talent, you can pretty much get you a job. Anywhere. Over All right. Scotty D. So two weeks ago, we were making our uh, predictions for college basketball. We we're talking college basketball. We we're amped up for college basketball. And B Live told me that that North Carolina Tar Heels were going to run the ACC tournament, and then Syracuse smoked them in the second round of the ACC tournament. So I just wanted to point out that that happened before the coronavirus <laughs> shut everything down. Be live over to you. Man, you know what? You, Scotty D, you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it, and Eddie Cool just edited it. Scotty D, you ain't shit. <laughs> I thought we was about to get away. I thought we might have just forgotten about it. Ain't nobody going to say no. We just going to be able to move on. <laughs> God, got stomped by Syracuse. Did not run the ACC table, and we're not going to run the ACC table. Got stomped. Jesus. Okay. Yep. I was because because I, I was I was like I ain't gonna break the bad news. I ain't gonna say nothing. 
Lo and behold, never Scotty D freaking never failed. failed. I was like, man, we're going to get away from it. We're not going to talk about it. Coronavirus. Distraction. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. Anyway, whatever. So, speaking of college basketball, another disappointment, though, and I, I think that NCAA dropped the ball on this one, where they reported that the brackets will not be released for the 2020 men's and women's basketball tournament. Like, we're, we've been given uh, some extra time, per se, to analyze. I know they're pretty busy with, like, just logistics and stuff like that with everything that's going on with the cancellations and how we're going to do this, how we're going to plan around it. But um, come on. Give the people what they want. Give us something to talk about. Give us a, a faux pas bracket or something. But, yeah, they said that it would go against their integrity of the sport because the games haven't been played and it wouldn't be in-depth thought out, and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. <laughs> NCAA integrity. <laughs> no, no, no. You, I'm sorry. You, go ahead, people. When, when you when you cackled, when you laughed, I I had to play it back in my head. I'm like, yeah, I did say that. I said that in the same. I said that in the same sentence. So, yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna throw the ball to you. I'm good. I'm. I'll, I'll come back around to another one. <laughs> Eddie Cool, the ball, <laughs> the ball. NCAA <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, good. Okay, let me get together. Of course, y'all know everything's going on with everybody and the COVID nineteen coronavirus. But I will give a special shout out to WWE World Wrestling Entertainment. Um, number one, I think Hillsborough County in Florida said, look, if Vince don't pull the plug, we're going to pull the plug. Understandably so. Could we have a year without WrestleMania? Ah, it's quite possible. It's April the 5th and yeah, it's quite possible. Um, shout out to the WWE for providing us a light version of, of Friday Night Smackdown to no audience. And a uh, big shout out to Triple H, who was doing some Triple H stuff, was being real funny on commentary. For I'm gonna give him, I'm gonna give him a pepper point just for single handedly saving the show. Because as wrestling fans, it's weird us trying to watch it, and of course the crowd is a part of the show, the boos, the cheers, the jeers, the chants, and to see these performers go out into an empty house and hey, we're gonna do this in front of the fans. I commend them. But then again, I commend the WWE as a whole for providing a much-needed distraction during this pandemic. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Okay, who gets the ball? Boom. They well, as ball. we are recording this on Monday morning, breaking news I'm looking at at this, at this very moment, the Cowboys use the exclusive franchise tag on Prescott. Not a super surprise. I said I thought that was going to be coming. Um, and I actually also, I'm seeing that the uh, Titans have tagged Derrick Henry. So two big names on the franchise tag. And there goes my hopes of Tom Brady coming to Dallas. Be live over to you. Well, I thoroughly enjoy whenever Scotty D is disappointed in certain things. We, we, you, you knew this was coming. I did. Yeah. So, but 
this this is a moment of celebration though. I'm I'm a I'm gonna pick up your spirit, Scotty D. Because I noticed that um this um this year of the NFL, this would be the sixtieth year that the Cowboys have been in existence. So and how, about how about them Cowboys? America's team. I'm oh, sorry, my bad. I, I threw up. I threw up. Oh, well, all right, cool. Let me get that. Let me get that real quick. Um and celebrating the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys would not be the Dallas Cowboys of today, and especially of the 90s, if it wasn't for a said trade with the Minnesota Vikings. Wow. And I just happened to stumble back on this where the Dallas Cowboys traded Herschel Walker to the Minnesota Vikings. And Dallas got Jesse Solomon, David Howard, Isaac Holt, Alex Stewart, Darren Nelson, which they ended up shipping off to San Diego. Do you remember any of those players at all, Scotty D especially? You remember any of those players? Oh, yeah. Um, I actually remember Isaac Holt. He played safety, blocking a punt against the Redskins on Monday night. That was like the first season they turned things around. Uh, Darren Nelson, I, um, I re- actually, I, re- I remember him playing in Minnesota. I think he was a pro bowler one or two years, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, and, and Jesse Solomon played a little bit, for, I think maybe one or two seasons with Dallas. But uh, that was it. None of them were like impacted as like the draft picks were, obviously. The, the, that was the key to the trade is the draft. Oh, yeah, because like, this was insane. Minnesota's first round pick in 1990, Minnesota's second round pick in 1990, Minnesota's sixth round pick in 1990, Minnesota's first round pick in 91, Minnesota's second round pick in 91, Minnesota's first round pick in 92, second round pick in 92, third round pick in 92. Bodies everywhere. Jesus Christ. For one player? One player. One player. And Minnesota did end up getting Dallas's third round pick in ninety, San Diego's fifth round pick in ninety, Dallas's tenth round pick in ninety, tenth round, all right, and Dallas's third round pick in ninety one. Uh, but just wow, for one player, Herschel Walker, and Herschel Walker was that dude now, an Olympian. He's an Olympian. He like he can still play now. Yeah. Right. And Herschel Walker looked like he can still play now. That trade literally built the 90s Cowboys and three Super Bowls. Thank you, Minnesota. Could you imagine if Minnesota had those draft picks? Could they be America's team? Skull. Skull. But there you go. (laughs) Then Dallas fell off the map. After the '96 um, Super Bowl, and cool, and Eddie Cool, the ball, <laughs> Beeline with the jam will bring you up. I'll flat your tires and let you down. All right, All right so here we go. Um, and my third and final pepper point goes out to something I viewed this morning. Before I put uh, before we recorded uh, the story of Miami Dolphins head coach Bri- uh, Brian Flores, I was like, you know what? What in the hell is this about? Um, it is actually a retrospective of where he came from, um, 
he came from a rough and tumble part of New York known as Brownsville, where um, you really got to keep your head on the swivels, the projects. And uh, the most, um, the two greatest parts of that video were his uh, high school coach talking about him, damn near crying, said how he was proud of him. And also his neighbor, who is across the hall neighbor who is still, who's still there now, She's elderly, and she was saying that, you know, she was borderline on tears, and so she was so happy to see him. Talking about how nice he was and everything, and that just goes to show, man, um, no matter your circumstances or your situations, if you have the will, the drive, and the want to, you can do it. And um, we also know this was a rough and tumble year for the Dolphins. They wound up being a laughing stop, but towards the end of the season, they started pulling it together. And I think in a year or two um, – I think the players in Miami are really going to buy to the Brian Flores system, and um, he'll turn them around. He'll turn them around. So if you get a chance, please watch it. Uh, the Brian Flores story is posted on the Facebook um, light page of the Sports Bros podcast. And uh, yeah, that's my third and final pepper point. All right, he so I spent a good amount of Sunday um, weeping because of no sports, and I took a nap, and I wept more. And I figured I'm gonna have to watch something, so I put on the uh, the new Harley Quinn movie, starring Margot Robbie, and then I watched <laughs> Bombshell, also starring Margot Robbie. Man, that chick's hot. Margot Robbie is hot. Be live over to you. <laughs> okay. All right. I, my third and final point is also related to sports. I don't know what he where he going. But it's Margot uh, Robbie, man. Wow. Hot. My, uh, let, me, let me bring this back. Let me bring this back. hot. Jesus, Lord. Yeah. Hotter than train. Train smoke. Baking on a God. frying pan hot. Okay. Man, you, you know what? You know what, Eddie Cool? You know what we need? We need um, a around the horn mute button for Scotty D. Just push a button. He, he's done. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, you, well, you remember that one night we recorded uh, during Raw and what he said about Zelina Vega? Why and what you the... said about oh, <laughs> All right, let me finish this off and be the... Don't ever change. Scotty D, don't ever change, man. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right, let me finish off this pepper right nice. <laughs> Quick shout out to my man, Spencer... Dinwiddie, because when you have a little bit of time to think and how like the seasons come to a halt, um, he came up with something that is absolute genius. This is how the NBA should finish this season if they're able to please with everything that's going on make this possible. He is going to combine the NCAA March Madness Championship Tournament, and he's merging it over to the NBA to where all 30 teams will play in playoff-style format. The top four seeds, the Buck, right now as it currently stands, the Bucks, the Lakers, the Raptors, and the Clippers get a first-round bye. The bottom four seeds would have to play in into the tournament. The Hawks, the Cavaliers, the Timberwolves, and the Golden State Warriors. Can you believe it? From first to last. Wow. They would play two best of three series (laughs) with the winners advancing to the first round. 
The 24 teams in the first round will play a best of five series. And then the winners, the 12 teams from there, and the four teams that got the first round by would be the 16-team playoff format that we um, that we currently already have. And then they would the playoffs would resume from there. I think it's an absolute genius thing to do. All teams are involved, and it gives us this real, like, winner take all let's get it everybody has a chance you've had time to rest get i think that would be the most exciting thing i've ever seen when it comes to sports in general and it would give us we were getting cabin fever as we speak when it comes to sports that would be absolutely amazing nba adam so please make that happen as much as I'd like to see that, I think I'd like to see another movie with Margot I, Robbie even more. I think that would be out of sight. You know, you know, you know. I'm, 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 I'm pulling, I'm pulling the Jay Williams. I'm pulling the Jay Williams. I'm out. I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm, nope, nope. He, I, 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 I Margot Robbie is I bring, hot. I bring my passion and desire for this, and he just like he literally just takes the takes a stick. Sticks it right into the bicycle spoke and just tumbles all over. Like he just—that's a great idea. It is. It is a good idea. That would be exciting. <laughs> but Margot Robbie is hot. I like it. So okay, so so one thing we gotta do is give Scotty D that playoff format and Margot yes. Robbie. Yeah, so he can play good. He's good to go, right? <laughs> So, we am going to go talk to some husbands. All right. <laughs> All right. With that being said, that's another action-packed episode of Sports Bros Podcast, episode 51. Damn near Sports Bros Podcast. But we want to thank our listeners for uh, making us have a very wildly and entertaining episode. Yes, I know we ran long, but damn it, this is a good, good episode. And before we go... And in closing, do something nice for yourself. And if you can, do something nice for someone else. They'll greatly appreciate it. We got to stick together, y'all. It's crazy out there. Be safe, sanitize, be good. And as always, wash your face, feet, hands, pits, arms, and yes. It's been another episode of the Sports Bros Podcast. Thanks for listening.